from Studio C136. This is One Hour School Live! All right, welcome in everyone. This is Mr. Mertz. Uh, recording to you from uh, my home studio today, which consists of me and my laptop, uh, since I have taken all my uh, microphones up to the one-hour school-wide studio in C136, but that's okay. Uh, today is a uh, weather holiday, I guess, a, a uh, snow day, but without the snow, so um, I hope you're staying warm and enjoying your day off. Uh, from class. Um, got a full new episode coming your way in just a few moments. Uh, but before we get to that, I would like to uh, discuss uh, my week in sports. And I guess we will start with uh, um, recruiting with uh, Oklahoma, with college football recruiting. Uh, National Signing Day was on Wednesday, January 2nd. And um, personally speaking, um, Oklahoma had a pretty good recruiting uh, uh, cycle. They finished eighth in the class. Uh, they had the eighth overall class in the country. Uh, Texas A&M, I think, was the one that ended ended up being number one in the country. They had a massive, massive class of uh, five stars and stuff. We'll see if they all stick around. I don't know how uh, A&M going to get all those guys on the field at the same time. But, you know. Hey, Jumbo Fisher is recording, recruiting very well down in uh, College Station, which isn't stones th- just a stone's throw away from us. So we'll see where that ends up. I know that uh, they uh, lost their quarterback. I'm not sure who A&M's quarterback is going to be next year. And as we know as college football fans, that, uh, so much depends on uh, on, co- on your quarterback play. So we'll see where A&M ends up after a, after a big recruiting class. Um, Oklahoma added, I think, four guys on Wednesday on National Signing Day. They were all recruits. I think two of them were from Florida. One was from San Diego, and another was from, I think, Los Angeles. So uh, OU is still going the national recruiting route uh, and, and having success. They, they took recruits away from uh, Miami, uh, Michigan, and so forth. So um, got some optimism going on into the spring. Uh, there was some... Uh, some bad news, I guess, for Oklahoma earlier this week, but nothing that wasn't uh, expected already is that uh, Caleb Williams is not, in fact, not coming back to Oklahoma, and he has officially uh, enrolled and signed with uh, USC. So that's over, and I think most OU fans are glad it is, and um, most rational OU fans are uh, knew that Caleb Williams wasn't coming back for a while now, and it was pretty much expected that he would sign with USC. Um, so good luck to him out there in California. And, um, there's, I mean, there's going to be some animosity from the Oklahoma fans, especially, uh, towards him, but especially towards, uh, his coach out there after the way everything was left and how, uh, the former coach, you know, not only gutted the program by taking assistant coaches with him, but has now gutted the program by taking a quarterback too. And one of the best receivers uh, with Mario Williams. And uh, he, I think they also took Latrell McCutcheon 
but if you've been following on Twitter on that front, uh, nobody from Oklahoma is too upset about the Rochelle McCutcheon situation, but the Mario Williams and the, and the Caleb Williams situation, um, definitely sets, uh, create some holes for the program going forward. Um, you know, receivers though are a dime a dozen. Uh, so Oklahoma's going to be fine at receiver. They, they still have receivers on the roster that, that are that pointy capable of making plays next year with Theo Weiss and Marvin Mims and Joel Farouk and other guys that have, uh, either didn't play much last year or coming in and coming in this year and it's in the spring already and already enrolled, um, quarterback, uh, Losing Caleb Williams is going to be a big hole to fill, and I don't think any OU fan is is going to act like it's not. But at the same time, you know, if he didn't want to play for OU anymore, they, I mean, don't play for OU. Uh, I think it's very understandable that you know he came from Washington D.C. to Oklahoma uh, last year to play for Lincoln Riley, and now Lincoln Riley is in a uh, uh, at USC. So. If, he wanted to play for Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley, so he's gonna play for Lincoln Riley. So, uh, see you later, I guess. Right? Uh, OU is gonna move forward with uh, Dylan Gabriel as quarterback. Uh, they missed out on Jackson Dart. Jackson Dart uh, was rumored, you know, OU was pursuing him in the portal, the former USC quarterback, um, but he ended up signing with um, Ole Miss last weekend. I believe that became official. That had been rumored that it was pretty much set in stone for over a week, but you know, always, always okay with Dylan Gabriel. We'll see how he is going forward. Um, in, in the spring and, uh, hopefully he stays healthy because right now he's the only quarterback on the roster that is throwing a college, uh, football and, and a game and a college football game. So, uh, I think that's probably the biggest question mark going into the spring. Uh, now that recruiting is over, um, a lot of guys have been added, uh, a lot of them through the transfer portal, but also a lot of sign a lot of a lot of new guys that have signed that will be uh, enrolling early in the spring or will be there at fall camp uh, and be freshmen. So, uh, it's this is uh, the eighth rank class. I mean, you know, class rankings are, you know, I mean, a little bit of snake oil that there. What what would Nick Saban say? Rat poison, I guess. So, uh, <laughs> doesn't always mean anything. Doesn't mean everything, but. In, you know, if you look at the teams that have been winning national titles, though, and you look at where they were in recruiting the last year or two before that, they're probably in the top five with, you know, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia. So uh, does that mean a and going to win? Uh, hey, who knows? Maybe. Uh, but uh, Oklahoma having an eighth-ranked class is, uh, is, is, is pretty great. It's the best class that OU's had in the last two or three years, I believe. The last two classes for Lincoln Riley were not in the top eight. So... Um, Brent Venables and uh, his crew are, are out there recruiting and they're getting guys and we'll see where it goes from there. So uh, just kind of in the off season now with the cold and the gray days until uh, spring games start. And then there's going to be more people in the portal by then uh, with all the coaching changes that have happened and people will see where they fit in, where they don't fit in. And uh, people are going to leave. O- there's going to be more players leave OU, but I also expect uh, players to, be added after the spring game also. So still a lot of news and a lot of stuff coming forward, coming in the future. So it'll be fun to follow. It's been, it's been a, it's been an entertaining off season up to uh, recruiting season up to uh, last Wednesday to say, uh, say the least. Uh, I, I do have some relief now that 
Oklahoma's class finished where it did. And, uh, yeah, they lost a few guys uh, after the uh, – uh, after the uh, Lincoln Riley moving to USC, but um, they also closed pretty strong there at the end with the new coaching staff. So has to feel good going forward. And uh, it was really a defense-heavy class. Uh, I don't think I don't know if OU's had such a defensive-heavy class since maybe since Brent Venables was there. You know, what was that more than ten years ago? So it looks like OU is going to be go back to uh, playing defense again, um, and also having an offense. That is explosive, but um, but definitely going to be an improvement in defense uh, going forward, just I think from a personnel standpoint. So the talent that they're going to have uh, with the with the defensive coaches that OU has on, now on staff. All right. Uh, after that, um, I guess uh, we could talk a little bit about World Cup uh, with the United States trying to qualify. Uh, right now they're second in the table. Uh, they're tied or actually tied with Mexico, but they've already played Mexico and beat them two 0 So they're right now they're head with Mexico. They lost at Canada on Sunday. Very, excuse me, very disappointing. Um, beat Honduras on Wednesday, three 0 Um, so they're in good shape right now. They have three games left. They're at Mexico, uh, in March. They play home against Panama and then they're at Costa Rica. Uh, they need to win that game versus Panama at home. Um, if they do that, they'd probably qualify. If not, they're going to have to try to beat Costa Rica at Costa Rica. And if you look at the recent history of the U.S. playing at Costa Rica, it's not ideal. Um, playing at Mexico and at, at Azteca, that's going to be tough. Man, if, if, if they could just sneak out of there with a draw, that would be that would be huge if they could sneak out of Azteca with a draw. I'm not counting on that. I'm counting on Mexico probably winning that game. So uh, USA is going to have to beat Panama, who is fourth in the table right now. And I think the United States is uh, four points ahead at the moment. So beating Panama would pretty much hold them off, I think. I hope. Where <laughs> the USA could finish in the top three of the table and uh, be a qualifier for the for the World Cup. Um, I'll be watching that, and uh, Dynamo season is coming up soon. They have a preseason game that is on the 12th at a formerly BBVA stadium. Uh, I think it's called PNC Park now, um, that I'll be excited to watch uh, versus uh, Austin FC, and then uh, the regular season kicks off on uh, February 27th, so just a couple weeks away from uh, being back and watching MLS soccer in Houston. Uh, I kind of hope the cold temperatures stick around for the first part of the MLS season. Uh, not not as cold as it is today, obviously, but you know, it'd be nice to wear some a jacket to the to, <laughs> to the PNC Park for a few games instead of uh, those July and August games when it's eight o'clock kickoff and it's still very hot and very humid. All right. Uh, with that said, uh, I will end my segment and we'll get to the student segments. Uh, thank you for listening, and I hope you stay warm. Hello, and welcome to the second episode of NFL 2022, brought to you by Blake Wilson, Reed Jenkins, Ethan Hill, Isaac Allison. Today, we'll start off by talking about uh, the AFC and NFC champion game, and we'll also include our predictions on the Super Bowl. So, Reed, we'll start off with the NFC championship game. The NFC championship game was between the Los Angeles Rams and the San Francisco 49ers. The Rams won 20 to 17 and earned their trip to the Super Bowl. 
uh, Jimmy Garoppolo went 16 for 30 for 232 yards with two touchdowns and one pick. Debo Samuel on the ground had seven carries for 26 yards. In receiving, he had four catches for 72 yards and a touchdown. Also, Brandon Ayuk had four catches for 69 yards. Rams didn't get that many yards on the ground, only having a total of 50. Also, Elijah Mitchell had three catches for 50 yards. And George Kittle had a big touchdown in the fourth quarter with two catches and 27 yards and a touchdown. On the Rams side, Matthew Stafford was 31 for 45 for 337 yards, two touchdowns and one pick. Cam Akers had 13 carries for 48 yards. Not really that much from a, from Sony Michelle, only having 16 yards on the on the ground. Kruber Cup had 11 catches for 142 yards and two touchdowns. A great game. Odell also had over 100 yards with 113 and nine and nine catches. Taylor Higby didn't have that good of a game, only having 18 yards. But Kendall Blanton in his spot has been stepping up, having 57 yards receiving. And now for the AFC Championship game. Uh, this game took place between the Chiefs and the Bengals at Arrowhead. And in overtime, the Bengals won 24 to 20, 27 to 24 on a field goal. Um, pretty much like all the games for the Bengals, passing was a major, major thing for them. Um, but Joe Mixon didn't do too bad. He ran for 88 yards on 21 carries. So he did pretty good on the ground. T. Higgins caught for 103 yards on six receptions, mainly because I feel like Jamar Chase is Burrow's go-to guy, and she's had him locked down for most of the first half. So T. Higgins was his number one option for the majority of the game. And speaking of Jamar Chase, he had one touchdown and had a very good second half, recording 54 yards on six receptions. Um for the Bengals, it was pretty quiet in the first quarter, besides one field goal and then a touchdown at the at the uh, in the second half. I mean, in the second quarter, uh, Pirine had a catch and had a bunch of yards after the after the catch to score a touchdown. Um, Tyler Boyd was pretty quiet this game, only 19 yards and four receptions. Um, oh yeah, uh, CJ Uzama went out early with an injury. Um, so that was big, big, big loss for them. Um, on defense, uh, Von Bell with the go away with the pick and overtime, that was very big for the Bengals. And then big man B.J. Hill picked Patrick Mahomes and put them in great field position. I feel like that was kind of the turning point for the game. Trey Hendrickson had a great game. He had a sack and a half. Good game for him. Um, but, yeah, I think that's about it for the Bengals. Um, Chiefs. Unlike the Bills game, Patrick Mahomes had a lot of flaws this game. He threw for two interceptions and three touchdowns, not what you really want to see. Again, uh, their running game was very, very, very solid for them. Jared McKinnon, the rookie, at fifth, uh, fifth round, he ran for 65 yards with 12 carries. Edward Tolaire, he did pretty good with six yards per carry. He had 36 yards. Um, um, on the receiving end, Travis Kelsey, he was big, big part for the Chiefs, but that's kind of normal now. He had a touchdown along with Tyreek Hill and Michael Harmon. The three main receivers for the Chiefs showed out that game, but Mahomes just he threw for too many interceptions. Um, Leger, uh, Legereus Snead did pick off um, Burrow, unfortunately. And besides that, the defense was pretty quiet. 
they did really well in the first half and were able to contain Jamar Chase and hold pretty much everything down. But then the second half, I guess they they kind of collapsed and the Bengals just they came back from a 18 point a 21 21 to 10. So that was unfortunate for the Chiefs. The Super Bowl outlook for 2022 has the um, LA Rams winning, but and that's who I think is going to win. But Isaac might have a different opinion. I don't know about that. So Isaac, what's your opinion on the Super Bowl? I think the Bengals are going to win because didn't they beat them in the regular season also? Um, I so believe I so. This is such a high stakes game that I think the uh, Rams have who have beaten the Tampa Bay Buccaneers reigning Super Bowl champions that I believe that they can make it and win the trophy. Maybe, but I'm still going to put my bets on the Bengals. Okay, uh, Reeves, can we give us your predictions? My prediction for the Super Bowl is that the Rams are going to win because they they did so many things in the offseason, like training for Matthew Stafford, signing Godet Beckham Jr., signing Sonny Michelle. And I feel like if you do all that in the offseason, you should win a Super Bowl. And and also the Bengals, yes, the Bengals are a good team, and they have beat top teams, but I still feel like the Rams are going to win. Blake, let's hear your predictions. I have it being a close game, but I do have the Rams winning just because um, I feel like the Rams defense is really going to show up this game and really contain Jamar Chase because they have Ramsey. They have Weddle that just came out of retirement. He really knows the game very well. I think Aaron Donald will have a couple sacks. And just like the defense, I think the offense will also show out pretty well. Um, but, yeah, I have Rams winning. So, uh, so uh, Isaac, it doesn't look like you're doing too good. Um, but I think Sean McVay is going to pull out some really good plays, and we're going to see some great stuff from Matthew Stafford. Uh, and just going to be an overall great game to watch. And it's at SoFi Stadium uh, on the 13th. Yeah, another really big factor for the Rams. They're at home this game, so that that could really play in considering the Bengals are from on the other side of the USA, so there won't be too many Bengals fans. But Rams do have that home field advantage, and that'll be big for them. Yeah, I, I think that since the Rams are at home, they're going to get, like, a lot of advantages. Like, also, the Bengals could be rattled by the crowd noise and could get a lot of false starts and things, so that could push them back, and, and they could lose the field, uh, the field position uh, stat line. Yeah, I understand what Reeves and uh, Blake were saying. I, I see how that could attempt to push the Rams to beat the Bengals. But I kind of want to hear from Isaac on why he thinks the Bengals are going to win. Isaac? Can you hear me? Yeah. You're right. The the Rams do have the home field advantage. So honestly, that was a pretty good argument. So I honestly can't top that. I just wanna we just wanna hear on why you think the Bengals will win. Isaac? 
Okay, so we'll just head away from that. And according to ESPN's Football Power Index, Rams are winning. And then also Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup are going to be a great pair, I think. And they can definitely carry the Rams to the Super Bowl win. Uh, yeah, I agree. Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup have been a dominant duo throughout the season. And I think that's going to show in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I feel like Cooper Cup have a big game because the Bengals don't have that good of corners, and and he was doing really good against the 49ers, which the 49ers have played the Rams multiple times. And if he can dominate against a team that's played him multiple times, he can sure dominate against the Bengals. Not only is there the Super Bowl coming up, but also the Pro Bowl. Um, AFC or NFC, guys? I'm going to have to go with AFC. I'll take AFC, too. AFC. I also have to go with AFC. So, like, why do you think the AFC is going to win? I don't know. I just feel like they've had dominant players almost forever. They have. I feel like, in, put it this way, in my in my opinion, I think they just have the better teams. And like, for example, the Bengals have a bunch of good teams. And Bengals have good stuff, and yeah. I think that's all for NFL 2022. Have a good day, guys. Hello, and welcome back to NFL Best of the Week. I'm Cole, here with Matthew, Fahed, and Noah. And today we're talking about the NFL Conference Championship games. Now, these two games were whoppers of games, probably some of the best of the seasons. And the first one I'm gonna we're gonna talk about today is the Rams and San Francisco and 49ers game. Now I expected this game to be more of like a back and forth game because they're of equal status, I'd say. But this game went very differently. Matthew, you wanna explain that a little bit? Well, this game was relatively low scoring, only 37 points scored in the entire thing. But um, yeah, these are both two high-level defenses. Matthew Stafford, he's kind of, a lot of the doubters were saying he can never win a playoff game. He chokes in the playoffs, but now they're in the Super Bowl, so I think even if they lose, um, you can't really talk about that anymore. And um, Cooper Cup, just an amazing game. 11 for 140 and two. He's just insane. He's like probably one of the most valuable offensive player, I think, but uh, not a quarterback. So, yeah, what do you think, Fahad? It was a great game overall. Now, one more thing to look at on the Rams. Uh, the rushing game was pretty weak. Cam Akers uh, and Sony Michelle, to be honest, what I see, it, that's not really doing it for them. Uh, if I were the Rams, I would personally be looking to sign a young guy or somebody to maybe, like, you know, help Cam Akers or, like, maybe a veteran because he's not been working out well so far ever since his injury. OBJ had a great game, uh, one of his first 100-yard games, I believe since uh, uh, 2018. So now if we go over to the 49ers side, Debo Samuel was not as great as rushing this year at this game, which maybe helped the score. He had only 26 yards, but he made up for it receiving guys with 70, 72 yards and a touchdown. Brandon Ayuk uh, becoming a, a staple in the 49ers offense, starting to come out more and be more helpful for them. He had 69 yards. 
And so, yeah, uh, Noah, what do you think about the game? Yeah, I thought it. Uh, I thought it was a a really good game. Um, seventeen to twenty. The the Rams were actually. I thought the Forty ers were gonna win, but the Rams came out clutch. Yes, and this game was, like I said earlier, not back and forth. It was more like the 49ers took an early lead than the Los Angeles Rams only were able to kick a field goal. But So, like, the the 49ers basically owned the first half. But then the Rams' defense stepped up, and the Rams pretty much owned the second half and came back to win off of a field goal. And, I, Matthew, you want to add anything else before we move on? Well, one last thing about this game. I think that definitely the the 49ers could not get their run game going. Both these teams have good run defenses, and uh, both of these teams couldn't get their run game going. So I think if Debo could have maybe breaking a, a few more big plays, then this c- game could have been different. But, you know, at the end of the game when they needed uh, a field goal, Jimmy Garoppolo choked. He's not very good, so... Yeah, yes. uh, I think that the 49ers might maybe need to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, they got Trey Lance, the young guy, the rookie this year in the backfield. And so I think that's really the game. Uh, Cole? Yeah, with that, we're going to move on to the next game in this in this double series, and that is the Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I think the result of this game surprised a lot of people. The Bengals coming in clutch and sorry, the Bengals defense coming in clutch at the end. And the Bengals, like the Rams, pretty much own the second half of that game. They've been a second half team all season, I've heard. And the Chiefs pretty much stepped up to their name in the first half, scoring three touchdowns, which totally like smothering, smothering the Bengals, who were only able to score, I think, 10 points. Um, Noah, I want you to get a little time here. Oh, um, yeah. Um, the Bengals in the second half, they're really good. They're really good. And the Chiefs, they didn't play as, they didn't, they didn't play, um, they didn't play as well as they played against the Bills. So, uh, this game was really, the, uh, it's, uh, I think I'm going to, let Matthew talk about the stats, but for now, I just wanted to say that this game was really the Chiefs blew this. To be honest, the Chiefs were up twenty-one to three at one point, and going to have twenty-one to ten, a pretty comfortable lead, two-score lead, and they blew it. They scored three points in the second half plus overtime. They got the coin flip, and they weren't able to score, letting the Bengals score seventeen unanswered points. I mean, you, got, you they have to take some fault. For this loss, you can't. The Bengals obviously had an amazing comeback, amazing game, been amazing this season. But the you can't really say that the Chiefs gave it their all in the second half. They really just weren't there. Yeah, and um, Patrick Mahomes in the first half, he looked like he couldn't be stopped. It looked like the last week's game against the Bills, but in the second half, uh, the Bengals were playing a lot of uh, too high safeties. They, they were basically saying, uh, run on us. But the Chiefs, for some reason, despite success with the run game, 
they had moved away from it, and they were passing into the, these two high safety looks all game, all, all second half, and they couldn't get anything going. And um, I think what really helped the Bengals um, get over the top is that Burrow really had a few good evasions of sacks. He, he was running around making plays. Some plays you're like, I hope this just isn't a sack, and he'd actually get a completion out of it. And, um, yeah, he was finding T. Higgins the whole game. T. Higgins had a, a 100 yards, so, yeah. And I just want to hit you with some fast facts real quick. Kansas City Chiefs almost became the first team ever to win back-to-back playoff OT games after they beat the Bills in OT last week. They were not able to pull it off, as you know, the Bengals beat them. And also the second one being Evan McPherson set the rookie record for field goals after going 11 for 11 in his playoff games. Two of those were walk-offs as he walked off the divisional and the conference championships. Who knows? Maybe he'll walk off the Super Bowl. What do you think, Noah? Yeah, like, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think the, uh, I think the Bengals, the Bengals have a really good chance of beating the Rams in the Super Bowl. It, it's just the Bengals are the a really good underdog. And so I think. Uh, I think before maybe we wrap this up, we should put in our Super Bowl predictions. I just want to ask what y'all yeah. think. I personally, I think the the Bengals are going to do it. I think they're going to pull it off. I just have a feeling they will. Uh, yeah, say, the, say the score. Give us the score. And, and the, who wins. I, you know, I'm going to go with what Cole said. I think it's going to be another walk-off field goal, possibly like a – I'm going to go 34 to 31. It's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be a Rams win. I'm saying 31-27 Rams. But you also think it's going to be a pretty close game, right? Um, I'm saying probably 17-24 Bengals victory. Um, I think it's going to be more of a 24-21 walk-off field goal by the Bengals. Bengals defense has been looking sharp these past couple games, and I think it's going to be they're going to keep the other team's score pretty low, and then McPherson's just going to come in and walk it off. And, and do any of you guys have anything else to add? Nope. No, okay. And with that, we're going to end our segment. Thanks for listening, and see you next week. Bye. See you. Bye. Welcome back to NFL Top News. I'm your host, Russell Gorshan, with, uh, with uh, Ibrahim and Bodhi. So, start off today, we're going to be talking about Tom Brady's retirement. Uh, Bodhi will be talking about Chiefs versus Bengals. That was a good game. And Ram, Ibrahim will be talking about Rams versus San Francisco. All right, Tom Brady. What so long? I think Saturday he announced his retirement. He didn't announce it. But a lot, like a lot of sports places, were saying that he was gonna retire. Right? I was playing like video games, and I saw. I was like, "Oh crap!" So it was, I was kind of surprised. I thought he was gonna play for like another couple of years. I don't know why. He's like, "Yeah, he's kind of old," but like, it didn't look like he was old. He was playing for like MVP caliber still. Uh, I thought he would just wait till he's like a little, like until he's like, you could tell he was bad. Like Ben Roethlisberger, like Ben Ben Roethlisberger, right? Um, you know how Ben Roethlisberger, he like you could tell he was not the same. He was like stiff. He like 
couldn't move out of the pocket. But Tom Brady, like, he's still Tom Brady. Now, on Sunday, it was officially announced that he was retiring. Uh, I was kind of confused because I was like, why does it say twice? And then I realized on Saturday it wasn't official. Sunday it was official. So that was a whole thing. Um, Tom Brady was a great player. Patriots, I think he was, he was a guy on the Patriots, obviously. Um, and I think a reason he might have retired is due to the coach. Yeah, he could have moved, but that would have been a whole new team and a bunch of new stuff. That would be a bunch of more complications that I didn't think he wanted to really deal with. But I think he's just retired. But it's been rumored that the coach for Buccaneers is uh, kind of right? Uh, the situation with Antonio Brown. Uh, it was rumored that he wanted Antonio to sit out because if he went, oh, if he caught a few more like yards, if he went a few more yards, he would have gotten a huge bonus. It's things like that that uh, make you question the leadership going on in the on the Buccaneers. So, Tom Brady, great player. That's all for me today, and we're gonna be going to Bodie. Um, I'm, I'm, I got a recorder. Right. Uh, the Bengals are going 27 to 24 in overtime. And uh, it ended with an interception by one of the Bengals. Uh, I, I think it's a lucky interception because I just wanted to block. How it ended up there, but after sealed off the chief season, uh, the players are pretty good, and this is definitely one of the better games, especially overtime. Um, the, the Cincinnati Chiefs had a better record going into the playoffs, uh, four to six, and the Cincinnati Bengals were 13 to seven. But um, I mean, a lot of a lot of people consider the Bengals as the underdog, uh, just not the better team. And the Kansas City Chiefs coming in as one of the most overrated teams. I think it was good that the Bengals definitely beat the Chiefs, especially by the two rookies on the team leading the team. And to go on to the game with Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, um, I think that Joe Burrow definitely performed, uh, especially in that loud stadium with, uh, against, Kansas, against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, it's one of the loudest stadiums in the NFL. And uh, whenever I was watching the game, I could hear it through the thing at full volume. And um, uh, I'm surprised he performed. Um, he had a good uh, first half of the game, but then the second half of the game, he didn't put up as many yards as he did the first time, which kind of really, really brought him down. Patrick Mahomes on the last OT drive, you'd think that they're going to win it because they won the coin toss, but uh, almost like two interceptions, and on the third one, he did throw the interceptions. You could just tell that he was a good game for him. Joe Mixon had a good game too. He, he scored a lot. Of, scored, I think he scored a couple of touchdowns. Um, I'm, I'm surprised to see what will happen next in the Super Bowl. Hopefully, the Bengals win, but I definitely think the Rams will probably take the win. And now I'm passing on to April. Uh, hello. Uh, today I'll be talking about the Rams versus the 49ers this week. Uh, uh, the Rams won 20-17. Uh, to It's around the place in the Super Bowl where, the fa- where, where they'll face against the Cincinnati Bagels. Uh, San Francisco quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo tried to escape an Aaron Donald blitz on the, on the third, 
and 13 late in the fourth quarter and flung him uh, past to his running back. It tipped off his hands and, uh, and it, the Rams got possession of the ball. And that's like pretty much where the Rams started getting their lead back. And that's like basically how they won the game. And another like uh, reason is because uh, I don't know his full name, but his last name is like Tart. Uh, he had an interception that could have won the um, 49ers game, but he dropped it. And uh, the opportunity was granted out of like the aggressive rebuild Rams coach, uh, I think Sean McVay, and their general manager Les uh, Les Sned put together to engineer another Super Bowl run for the Rams. Uh, having gotten to the title game and since the, or the last time they were to get to the title for Super Bowl was I think the 2018 season, and McVay's second year as head coach and the third for Jared Goff, the team's previous quarterback. Were, and the Rams' regression has become obvious by last season. So the team traded uh, Jared Goff and two first-round picks to the Detroit Lions to acquire Stafford, who had never even won a playoff game in his 12 NFL seasons. <clears throat> Though the team already boasted an elite defense built around Donald's otherworldly talent, it stockpiled talent on that side of the ball too by pairing him with the Pro Bowl outside linebacker Von Miller. They also made him made an opportunistic hire at. Midseason, where I think, uh, or yeah, where uh, Oda Beckham Jr. soared on the Cleveland Browns. The Rams' all or nothing approach worked as long as uh, LA extended its postseason, one harrowing victory at a time. Sunday was no different though, because Stafford threw for like almost 400 yards and two touchdowns with the interception, and Beckham posted 113 yards, receiving yards, like, and another win decided on late game heroics. It is rare. It's rare, like for division rivals to meet like three times a year, such as the Bengals and the Rams. But let alone, especially with one of the games being in the Super Bowl, and adding on like this season's third edition of the matchup pitted friends and former colleagues, such as like the 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan and McVay, which are the two coaches of the Rams and the 49ers, and they're pitting against each other like once again, and the deep familiarity whittling down the counters each other. And I don't know about like other people, but I personally think that the Rams can pull through and beat someone like Joe Burrow, even in Super Bowl. But this will just be something for the uh, we'll have to see, uh, see whenever it comes about. All right, uh, that's it. I before we go, I want to talk about the Super Bowl. Uh, I think the Bengals will win. The Rams have a lot of skill on the team. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bengals are just better. That's what I goodbye. Today we'll, we will be talking about the Olympics in general and what this podcast will cover. The Olympic Games are the world's most famous sports competition with 200 plus nations participating in the Games. The Olympics are held every four years in different cities and countries. This podcast will cover as many of the sports it can during inspiration. It will have three sections, three sections on each sport. Summary, history, and world standings. Each sport will be covered in a week. Uh, now we will talk about some fun facts. Each Olympic Games have a specific motto. Greek, Greece, Australia, France, Great Britain, and Switzerland are the only countries to be represented by athletes in every single summer games. In the 1900s, live pigeons were used for the archery event, and the Olympic flag has five intertwined rings on a white background. Five 
linked ring symbolized the unity and solidarity of the five continents, Africa, America, Asia, Oceania, and Europe. Now, uh, I'll see you next week. Bye. Hi, um, this is The Real Football, and we're your hosts for today. Andrea Armoli, David Camarillo, and Preston Padgett. Uh, today we're today we're gonna be going over Terry predictions and transfers um, that happened. So first of all, we'll be going over Terry predictions. The first game we have up today is Roma versus Genoa. Um, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure Roma's gonna win this. Um, they're the fav- they're the favorites with Jose Mourinho as coach. And having a pretty good team. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think yeah, Roma's gonna win. I think they have a chance. All right, so next game we have is Vila versus Inter. That's the derby for uh, Vila, and uh, Vila's gonna win. It's gonna be a tough game. Yeah. Um, I can see it very much ending as a draw. Same. Like and I can also see either teams winning. I can see Inter winning and Milan winning. Um, I. I it's a, gonna be a tough game. You're not gonna see it. You're gonna see it on the screen. Yes, I'm gonna see it on the screen. Yeah. Uh, but the win probability, win probability looks like Inter is gonna win. Yeah, but... we don't, we don't talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next up, we have Fiorentina versus Lazio. I think Lazio. Lazio. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Lazio is gonna win this, especially after um, Dusan Vlaovic, their main striker, went to Juventus, which we will talk about later today. Next up, we have Atalanta versus Cagliari. Atalanta. Yeah, Atalanta. Atalanta. Yeah, Cagliari. Sure. Atalanta. Uh, this could be a pretty big win, maybe another 4-0, 5-0 win. Yeah. Right, next, we have Sampdoria versus Sassuolo. I think Sassuolo could win this game. I mean, it's pretty tight. Because Sampdoria uh, have been doing pretty good this season compared to Sassuolo. But um, I think the win probability for Sassuolo is 40%, draw 26 and for Sampdoria, 34. So I think it's going to be a tight game. What do you guys think? Yeah. I think Sassuolo with the win. Yeah, Probably like 1-0, Sassuolo. maybe 2-0. We'll see. Yep. Okay, next up we have Venezia versus Napoli. Napoli. Uh, Napoli. Yeah, I'd say Napoli. But Venezia uh, have pulled off yeah. pretty big wins against big clubs such as uh, Roma. It's not going to happen. Napoli's right. Napoli's I mean, yeah, Napoli's kind of slipping, and they need I mean, to get I mean, against Bologna, Bologna's not Napoli, so you can't compare it like that. Uh, um, anyway, okay. speaking of Bologna, next up we have Bologna versus Empoli. Bologna. Um, I think this could be a tough game. I, I want to root for Empoli, but... I'm going to say it's going to be a draw. Yeah, I can see that. I'm, I'm going to say a 1-1 draw. Yeah, I agree with you guys. Next up, we got Udinese versus Torino, which I think Torino's going to win yeah, this. Yeah, Torino's going to win. Udinese just suffered a, a big loss. The Paul. That, that, uh, that oh, was a yeah. while ago, but they're yeah. still suffering. Yeah. Um, they haven't bought anyone, right? <laughs> no, not yeah. they haven't bought too many people. Um, next game up, we have Juventus versus Verona. We all know Andrea's going to say Verona's going to win. but <laughs> No, this time I'll say I Verona. Want, I want Juventus. <laughs> See, so yeah, I think Juventus. You, you is want Juventus? Uh-huh. You're on the podcast. <laughs> nah, um, I think he deserves a promotion now, but no, I think Juventus is gonna win this one. All right, next game up, we have Salernitana versus Spezia. Spezia, yeah. Um, I think Spezia is gonna win. This yeah, one. I mean Salernitana haven't been doing this 
pretty bad. Yeah. Um. Now we're going to be talking about some transfer, uh, transfers that happened. So Juventus had a pretty big winter transfer window with buying Dusan Vlaovic, yeah, and Zakaria. Yeah. Um. Pretty big buy. I mean, uh, two pretty big. They're investing in the future. Right. They're both pretty young. Dusan Vlaovic being twenty-two and. Um, Zakaria being 25, but with all those big, with all those big transfers, they had a sell some people. So they sell, they sold Rodrigo Betancourt, um, and Dayon Kulishevsky, both to. They sold them both to Tottenham Hotspurs, um, and then they also got. Sorry for these. All the laughter going on. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry as well. Yeah, and Barcelona also had a very big transfer. Yeah. They bought um, Ferran Torres. Yeah. They, I mean, and they, I, if I was Ferran Torres, I wouldn't have done it. Right, and they also bought um, Adama Traore and as well as um, Aubameyang. So three pretty big Great. signings. And, you know, I, I wouldn't have done that if I were Barcelona because I mean now sure they have a starting uh forwards but I mean Adama I don't see his future being that good I mean he'll be okay in the future but I don't think he'll be that good right and Aubameyang I mean yeah Aubameyang he's pretty old so I mean I don't think it was a good investment and I mean yeah uh, that's a good investment but I mean if I was Ferran Torres I wouldn't have done it well, right, Man City probably yeah, has a, a um, better chance, better chance of succeeding than Barcelona. At the yeah, moment. but also he would get more playtime in Barcelona. Yeah, that's something that he he had to consider. I think he took it the offer just because of that. So, oh yeah, and then the last signing that Juventus got rid of was um, Aaron Ramsey. So I think that will wrap it up for today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll like to see you next week. Thank you. These were your hosts, Andrea Armoli, Preston Pageant, and Preston Pageant. (laughs) Okay. Hello. Welcome back to the European Soccer Report. Today's episode is brought to you by Federico Marotti and Mitchell Chen. So, this week, uh, the there's an international break, so we don't really have a ton of games to talk about. So right now, we're just going to talk about um, uh, Federico is going to talk about the transfer market, and we're go- also going to talk about the South American World Cup qualifiers and AFCON. Just a heads okay. up. Okay, so for for transfers, I'm not I'm not going to talk about all of them because it was a pretty good transfer market for some teams, while some teams look like they didn't really want to do much. Like Milan, and uh, so first of all, um, Juventus uh, uh, um, loaning Kuzmanski and Bentancourt to Tottenham Spurs, and buying Vlahovic from Fiorentina and Zakaria from Borussia Mönchengladbach. So uh, they had a good market. Uh, I think Vlahovic and Zakaria were two much needed um, players for Juventus, and Kuzmanski and Bentancourt. They never really found themselves at Juventus, so that's good. Um, also, uh, uh, Mihalia 
um, Atalanta bought Mihalia from a Serie B team, Parma. So that's, that's pretty good. Some squads getting stronger, some like Milan, who didn't really do much over the campaign. Mm. So, uh, yeah. Is that all for the transfer market? Yeah, I think that's all because you can't cover every single transfer because it were a lot. But yeah. it did close on the 31st, so three days ago. It was a good month, transfers. Okay, so uh, do you want to start off with AFCON or South American World Cup qualifiers? Uh, you want to start off with the uh, World Cup qualifiers. Okay. So, so, so it's almost the end of these World Cup qualifiers, and currently Brazil, Argentina, Brazil and Argentina are way ahead of the rest of the people. So, so they're definitely gonna move on. But let's talk about matches, I guess. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, Tuesday, Argentina beat Colombia one zero. Uh, Uruguay beat Venezuela 4-1, Brazil beat Paraguay 4-0, Chile beat Bolivia 3-2, and Peru tied to Ecuador, so pretty good match day. Match is 16 yeah. of 18, and then the match day before, Argentina beat Chile 2-1, yeah, Brazil tied to Ecuador. Yeah, um, so... Right now we're just looking at Brazil and Argentina sort of like dominating the top. Um, so there's not a lot of interesting stuff. Like both Brazil and Argentina have not lost a single one of their games. So Yeah, I mean it's pretty easy for them. They have Messi, Dybala, Neymar, Casius. Yeah. They yeah. pretty much all the good people. It's hard to lose when check that. And um yeah, but Brazil did try to Ecuador. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. We're hearing a lot of noise from from the computer. You might wanna like Oh okay, and now it's good now, it's good now. So yeah, that's pretty much it for the qualifiers. Uh Venezuela, pretty disappointing though, just wanna point it out. They lost twelve games. So yeah, out of not, their that they yeah, they have ten points. Disappointing. Colombia, Colombia. Remember, they, they had a good. They had, still have a good team. They have a lot of injured players like Zapata and Mugen. So, uh, down in seventh. I thought they were actually gonna make it. I, I don't know though. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, but we're definitely looking at Brazil and Argentina moving up to the World Cup. Yeah, th those were a little. There were little doubts about them not making it so yeah that's pretty sure so, so let's just go on to afcon i guess yeah the afcon no one talks about it but it's basically the euros for africa but it's actually been a pretty good tournament uh semi-finals uh burkina faso lost to senegal 3-1 so we we will see senegal in the finals and burkina faso in a match for third place and today Actually, starting in about 10 minutes, we have Cameroon versus Egypt to see who will go in the finals. Yeah. And then, so, yeah. Yeah, a really good tournament. So, yeah, we're probably, yeah, we're going to see the end of the tournament really, really soon. Because, so in three days, 
um, Senegal is going to go against um, Cameroon or Egypt. So that would yeah. be a good match to watch out for. Yeah, it really will. And Egypt, Egypt actually made it this far, but that a really hard um, path is that first that Ivory Coast, which were really big favorites because they have a lot of good players. Then that Morocco, who are also really good. And now Cameroon. I don't know. Do you think? I I, I didn't think they're gonna make it this far, but seeing that they have and that they're here against Cameroon, do you think they can get it to the final? Um. Yeah, I think they they might be able to. I mean, I don't really know. We'll just have to watch out for it, honestly. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the biggest support, I'd have to say, Mo Salah. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. So, I think that's about all. Yeah, I think we basically covered everything. Since we don't really have a lot to talk about. Yeah, and also one last thing before we go um, for the AFCON. Um, Ziyech, who's the Chelsea player, um, the Moroccan Chelsea player, really good, uh, wasn't called to play for Morocco in the AFCON. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So. But yeah, that's pretty interesting. So, I guess yeah, that, so, that about wraps it up pretty much. Yeah, it does. And, and ZH says he doesn't want to play for his national team. Uh, don't, we don't really know the reasons, but... Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Thanks for tuning in in this episode. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Hello, welcome back to another week of Everything NBA. I'm Issa, joined by my colleagues Adam and Maya. Today we'll be talking about LeBron James's recent injury, who the GOAT is in NBA history, and the NBA power rankings for Week 16. Um, so Alright, let's uh, start LeBron. off with LeBron James's injury. He was injured, or uh, and he's out because of his knee. Um, in in the last game, uh, before he got injured, he was shooting 35% from three-point range, 76% from free throw, and he's averaging about 29 points per game. Um, how do you think this injury has um, has really impacted the Lakers? Oh, well, LeBron's kind of their main guy, right? So without him, players like Westbrook and Anthony Davis are gonna have to step up. And yeah, Westbrook yeah, they're gonna have to step up and be good shooters on the team. Especially if they want to make the playoffs, because right now they're at the bottom. Yeah. Um, and I think just having uh, LeBron as a good passer to other players who can then score points. Um, they're using more of their bench, I think. Uh, because LeBron is out. Yeah. LeBron really, like, opens up the floor. He gets a lot of players good, better looks than they would have normally gotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's a big motivator for the team as well. Yeah, he, yeah, he brings a lot of energy to the team and on the bench. 
But the two guys, well, they have two stars now because LeBron's out, Westbrook and Anthony Davis. Anthony yeah. Davis got back like a week or two ago. He's been playing pretty solid, but Westbrook has just been not very good this season. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he hasn't. Uh, yeah, he's not had a good start this season as uh, he's been in some other seasons with other teams. Um, I think it's just it's probably different because they've got uh, they've got other good people on their team, so like it's not just like all Westbrook, like it's mixed around all their superstars. Yeah, he's like the third option on their team, where he's normally the first option. All right. Um, I think now that that topic is done, uh, let's talk about the goat conversation in the NBA. Um, our three contestants are LeBron James, Michael Jordan, and Kobe Bryant. Um, in my opinion, I think uh, that LeBron James is the best of all time. Uh, I mean, yeah, LeBron's really good, but the best of all time, that's a lot more complicated than most people think. You can't just say a player's name. And LeBron definitely deserves to be there. He's top five players of all time, probably. Um, but I think Kobe should be the GOAT and the greatest of all time because he was a great player and I liked his loyalty and his work ethic. Yeah. Um, I would say LeBron would be the greatest of all time. Um, I mean, he, he works hard throughout the season. He has uh, he has a ton of dedication. He's um, he's traveled to three different teams, I think, and he has won a championship in each of them. Uh, even though his championships are still not as high as Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, uh, he has played more seasons than Michael Jordan. He has, I think, this will be his. Uh, this is a season to tie Kobe Bryant. Um, and, uh, I mean, even though he might be a little bit, uh, old and starting to get older, he's still very dominant in the paint from three point and, uh, and, uh, and even just sitting on the bench cheering on his teammates. Yeah. LeBron's a really dominant player age. He's really old. Like he's almost 40 years old now and he's still dominating. He was named an all-star team captain this year in his 19th season. So that just shows how great he actually is, that he can still play at this high a level this far into his career. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, I mean, uh, many different people around the world have, I mean, or like the United States, they have multiple different opinions. You have like a ton of stats you can look at. So, I mean, it really just depends. Like, right now, uh, in, in this era, um, uh, LeBron James is definitely the greatest. Um, he, he's the greatest all-around player. Um, uh, I think that in the time Michael Jordan was uh, playing, uh, he was the most dominant player in the league. Um, yeah. He was, also, he was also on a big team, the Chicago Bulls. Um, and... Uh, Kobe Bryant was with Shaq for, they won three championships together. Um, 
So I think it it just like depends on like the different uh the different time of when they're playing in. Like I think uh, I think if we're I think if LeBron were to play when uh when like Michael Jordan was playing, I think Michael Jordan would have been better than LeBron James. Yeah, I think you have a point there. That's pretty true. Yeah, but if Michael Jordan had played when LeBron played, the three-point shot is used a lot more now. Michael Jordan was never really a fantastic three-point shooter. He shot about 30% for his career, which is lower than LeBron's 34%. So. Um, okay, I think it's time to move on to our power rankings. Um, in the number one spot, we have the Phoenix Suns. Their record is 40 wins and nine losses. Their um, their offensive rating is a 112.8, which is third in the league. Their defensive rating is 104.9, which is second in the league. And their net rating is a plus 7.8, which is also second in the league. Um, the Suns are on a 10-game winning streak. They have outscored their opponents by 4.7 points per 100 possessions through the first three quarters uh, and by an amazing 32.1 per 100 in the fourth. Yeah, the Suns are really good on both sides of the ball. Like like you said, they're third in offensive rating and second in defensive rating. And when you just have that kind of, like, I don't know the word, but when you're that good on both sides, it's really easy to win games. And... Players like Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Mikel Bridges, those guys really help it on the offensive end. Yeah, and I think on the record side, I think the Phoenix Suns got a jump on the Warriors uh, when when Steph Curry got injured and had to miss a few games. I think that's when the Suns like started to go on their winning streak and uh, blow past the um Golden State Warriors. At the number two spot, we have the Memphis Grizzlies. Their record is 35 and 17. Their offensive rating is 111.8, which is eighth in the league. And defensive rating is 108.3, which is also eighth in the league. And their net rating is plus 3.5, which is sixth in the league. Now, the Memphis Grizzlies with, um, with John Morant, they have been just Basically, they have been just um, what's the word? Uh, unstoppable uh, in the past few games. They have just been scoring all over the place and on great, and they're on a great run right now. Yeah, when you talk about the Grizzlies, you got to talk about the person that really led them to where they are, and that's John Morant, because he's their number one guy. He's an all-star starter, and I think his second or third year in the league. He's doing. He's been doing really well. He's averaging like 25 points a game. Yeah. And, um, really... and I think my opinion on the Grizzlies is that if your starting point guard can dunk very well, that he's one of the top dunkers in the league. Uh, I think. Uh, I think that they're a pretty dangerous team. Yeah, just having a guard that athletic, and if Jaws in like. A dunk contest or something i think he'd do really fit in there that's just how athletic he is 
Um, all right. At the number three spot, we have the Golden State Warriors with a record of 37 and 13. Their offensive rating is actually um, not as high. It's 110.9, which is 12th in the league. Defensive rating is 102.7, which is the first in the league. And net rating is plus 8.2, which is also first in the league. Um, I mean, it shows that their defense is pretty good. They're on a five-game winning streak. Um, Steph Curry has shot. Uh, he's had the most three-pointers um, uh, in NBA history, so that is pretty good offensive-wise. Um, Clay Thompson has come back, which is a good jump for them. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Uh, yeah, the Warriors are third place. Their offensive rating isn't as high as it used to be, but that could be due to Clay Thompson and Curry being out on both like every couple of games or so. But somebody that's really picked it up is Andrew Wiggins. I don't think anybody expected him to be this good, but he's actually an all-star starter this year on the Western Conference team. Yeah, and um, really Steph, Curry, Steph Curry getting injured, I think, really showed his skill. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and defense is really where they've been the best. They've always been really good at defense, but this year they've just taken it to another level. Um, On the bench, Jordan Poole. Has also been playing well recently. Um, I think that's it for the Warriors. We're going to share the fourth and fifth, and then I think that'll be it. Um, at number four, we have the Philadelphia 76ers. The record is 30 and 19. Their offensive rating is 111.2, which is 11th in the league. Defensive rating is 108.5, which is ninth in the league. And their net rating is plus 2.7, which is 10th in the league. Um, I mean, 76ers is, uh, is basically all Joel Embiid. He's, av- uh, sorry, um, they are 14 and three since Christmas, ranking fourth on both, on both offensive and defensive over a stretch that has made Joel Embiid, um, uh, a serious candidate for the MVP race. Yeah, Joel Embiid's really been carrying the 76ers this year. Um, every couple of years or so, they have like a number two option. Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler was even on the team at one point. Um, but usually Embiid always had help, but this year he's kind of just at it alone. And he's really showing what, how, like, how good he is. Yeah, uh, they've also had uh, uh, Tobias Harris, who... He's a pretty good uh, paint scorer, um, and he can hit threes uh, time, uh, yeah, time after time. Um, yeah. All right, I think last one we're saying today is the Miami Heat. Their record is 32 and, and 18. Their offensive rating, 112.3, fifth in the league. Defensive rating, 107.6 seventh in the league and their net rating is plus 4.7 which is fifth in the league um they've outscored their opponents by about uh, about 11 points per 100 possessions which is the league's second best mark um jimmy butler uh sorry against 
against the Celtics, Jimmy Butler totaled a first quarter triple double, 21 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists over three games, which is pretty good. I mean, only for the first quarter. Yeah, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, the Suns have a really well-rounded and deep team. Like they can go 11 or 10 players deep into the lineup without like playing any bad players, bad NBA wise. I think Tyler Harrow has been good on the team as well. Um, yeah. Um, and then uh, one thing about the rankings, just why not? In last place for the rankings, we have the Oklahoma City Thunder. Their record is 14 and 34. Offensive rating is 101.7, 30th in the league. Defensive rating 109, which is 11th in the league. And their net rating is minus 7.3, which is 27th in the league. Although uh, that is pretty bad, um, uh, another bad thing to add on to that is they just lost Shea Gilgis Alexander to an ankle sprain that'll leave him out uh, until at least the All-Star break. I mean, you can't really come back from a one and uh, from a one and twelve record in January. I mean, that's pretty hard to do. So it's the not Thunder like really Oklahoma bad. City, but we'll see how they do. Well, I think that's it, right? Yeah. Um. That's it I'm for Issa I'm out of Boston. I'm Issa Kadri. Alrighty, well, I guess that's signing off with everything NBA. Hi, I'm Leroy Futa, and welcome to Global Soccer. We just had the ending of the, of the winter transfer window, which has a, which has a, with a lot of new transfers and a, a lot of new players wearing new jerseys. Anyways, Muhammad, will you take us from here? Yes, so I did. FC Barcelona versus Real Madrid, which was a semi-final match from yesterday. But surprisingly, Barcelona lost that game with Real Madrid. Barcelona qualified for the Super Cup after winning the Copa del Rey this last season with a four-over thumb. Hello, Alexei takes charge of the first season, replacing Ronaldo Koeman. Real Madrid under cup as a result of second finish in the La League. So Barcelona with four. 4-3, Daniel Evers, and Barcelona subs. Torres makes the Barcelona debut after the registration was confirmed by the club to move over to Manchester City. The Spain international replaces Jethla in the third round in one of the three charges made by Axwe from the first draw against Garande. De Jong returns forward in replace of Gonzalez, who drops the, in the bench. Mard made the two changes so that's the first half of the game the other half of the game is where real madrid Benny junior scores with a one to zero them leading in the third quarter barcelona from barcelona g3 jong striker 17 goals from an open shot and the third goal that happened was real real madrid which was those balance regaining its lead from his range. Maddie Reed grounds the flat as a freshman. And that's all I got.
Alright, Sheikha Muhammad, Michael, are you ready? Um, I got a game from Saturday, Sunday, I think, January 23, with a game of Chelsea versus Tottenham with a, a score of 2-0. to zero. Chelsea have won four games against Tottenham in all competitions this season, making them the first Premier League side to win four games against an opponent in a single campaign since Manchester City against West Ham in 2013 and 2014. And the first to win three games in the same month against the opponent since Austin Villa against Blackburn in January 2010. Tottenham have failed to score in each of their last six meetings with Chelsea in all competitions with their goal goalless run against the Blues currently standing at 547 minutes since Eric Lamella's strike in September 2020. This is the first time in their history they've failed to score in six consecutive matches against an opponent. Tottenham have won one of their last 32 away league games against Chelsea winning 3-1 in April 2018 with the current boss Antonio Conte in charge of the Blues today, that day. Chelsea and a run of four matches without a win in the Premier League after defeating Tottenham to the zero in Stamford Bridge. The home side took a lead in the early stages of the second half through the stunner from Haxim Zick before Thiago Silva added a second with a glancing Header with the Mason Mount's free kick. Spurs will feel, will feel a grief after Harry Kane saw a first-half strike cross Dershley ruled out for a foul on Thiago Silva. However, Antonio Conte's men were relaxed or in the second period. As a result, his unbeaten run in the league is halted by his former team. Thank you, Michael. Now we are the some two big transfers with Aubameyang and Adam Troy. Adam Troy has just gone on loan from overhead to the Barcelona, putting some nice touches on the Barca field for the first time. Wearing the never number eleven jersey, he's he's he recently he's been playing amazing. Uh, Last season was uh, good for him. He really had everything down last season. I haven't seen much of him this season. I haven't paid attention to Wolverhampton. But he's a very good player, very fit. Uh, hopefully, he can help Marsha out with uh, with what they need. Now, let's go to Aubameyang. Aubameyang was given 7 million, 7 million euros to terminate his contract with Arsenal. And he did it. He terminated it. And as a free agent, he went to Barcelona wearing the number 25 jersey and putting some nice catches on with a few with a few around the world. But anyways, let's go into some history with 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 right winger Usman Dembele and and Mbameyang, two old teammates from Mercy Dortmund. This could bring Usman Dembele back. I mean, who knows? Usman Dembele is was a star talent a few years ago playing for Dortmund. 
Madison sees come to Barca. He's he's been missing shots. It's horrible. Uh, he missed a, a wide open shot in 2019 against Liverpool. Should have banged that in the back of the net. I mean, if he did, if he did, if Barcelona probably would have won that game. In series. But hopefully this can rekindle. Why Usman Dembele's flame again, turning him into a beast? We also, we also have some some extremely sad news on Mason Greenwood, Mason Greenwood abusing and attempting rape, rape on his girlfriend. This is this is horrible. I can't believe he did this. What what caused him to do it? This, I mean, the kid, the kid was, the kid was getting into, was was slowly getting into his prime. He had just paid bail to, uh, from jail. Um, there are photos on Instagram of her, of her lip bleeding, uh, bruises all over her. Uh, Man United has tried, has basically terminated. I think he has they terminated the contract with him. Many United players starting stopping to follow him, right? The world, all the fans are starting to hate him. And now there's a ninth, and now with mentioned in Mendy from Man City, there's a ninth charge for of rape. And Benjamin Mendy was in the middle of his was literally in the middle of his career, but nine rapes is unbelievable. I think he does not deserve to get his deserves a life sentence. But Mason Greenwood, what happened is just sad. I mean, the kid ruined his whole career. He's at the age of 20 with one bad decision. My question is, what caused him to do this? I mean, he has such a bright future ahead of him if he never just got into this. Was it the losing streak of man knew he wanted to take it was stressful for him and he just lost it? But there's also, uh, but the dad of the girlfriend has also said that the past three months of the relationship have not been steady, and then this has been ending the relationship. But now, but now, so many people. He was he was a fan favorite for so many players, and now he ruined his whole career. Now let's go to the World Cup qualifiers with Barca, with with Argentina being unbeaten in the last 29 matches. Unbelievable! Two away, two or four away from from the record, and eight away from from the world record. Let's see, let's see Argentina. I hope we see some good stuff from them. So far, they have qualified to the World Cup in Brazil. Just some exciting news, and there is a an on the countdown for the World Cup. Until the World Cup, there's everyone in, in 290 days, 15 hours, and 15 minutes. The FIFA World Cup in Qatar will start, which is some big news because this is probably the biggest sporting event in in history. Every World Cup, it gets bigger and bigger. So this is an event that I can't wait to see. I think a lot of people are waiting for this. 
because they were seeing a lot of fan favorites return. Uh, let's see if Italy can get back to the World Cup. I mean, in 2018, they didn't, they didn't make it, which was the first time in 40 years. Which is some very big news, but now let's see. Is Portugal may not even advance because right now Portugal has to Portugal has to win a game. Portugal right now has to beat. Portugal is gonna have to play. Portugal's gonna have to play Turkey. Whoever wins out will advance a flag a pass to pass the there's Italy versus North Macedonia. I think it's Italy all the way there. And then I think Italy will take it. It's just Italy's history is I mean Italy's squad is much better. I mean Portugal even though they have a very strong pyramid, I mean, if you look at uh, if you look at the if you look at uh, Portugal, right? You don't see you only like your center back. Your best center back would have to be Ruben Diaz and uh, Bertone, right? Those are the two center backs, right? But then you have uh, and then for Italy, right? You have two center backs. Hey, hey, hey. They have really good chemistry. One said that he knows uh, the other better than his own wife. It's unbelievable. But anyways, folks, we're going to have to end it here. I'm New York Luka, and this is Good Soccer. Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Inside the Diamond. Um, today, we have two things to talk about. Um, the first one in honor of February, Black History Month, we'll talk about um, African-American baseball players that have made a big impact on the game. And two, oh, of course, the lockdown. Um, first thing, let's get right into is um, Black, His- Black History Month. Um, it's a month to honor um, African-Americans. And we'll talk about uh, the impact that they've had on the MLB, and so uh, a few players just listening off the bat, uh, purely a, a top five. We'll start with Jackie Robinson, of course. Um, one of the he's he's up there with some of the greatest players to ever play, but it wasn't his game that that changed the game of baseball. It was it was his leadership and his amazing ability to. Um, lead his team and take and take all the hate that he was getting all the racism all the all the hate and and turn that around and really really use it to drive him and he was such a great baseball player anything y'all have to say about jackie robinson yeah jackie robinson i mean he broke the color barrier for the mlb he was just he was such a good baseball player he had it all he had speed he had he could hit the ball. He could hit it far as well. He had the gloves, even with people like cleating him and stepping on him and being super racist to him. He still managed to have an amazing career and have a huge impact on black people playing baseball. 
Yeah, Jackie Robinson was a big influence to the MLB. He showed that like African Americans and like other races than white can play in the MLB. Like, and he was really good. Also, so he he just had a big influence on the MLB. Also, he was really good. Um, another one from more recent years, um, Barry Bonds. Although, um, we he did use steroids. That was that was not something he he defined the two thousands uh, era of baseball. Um, he really he he put aside the steroid use and the and the Hall of Fame ballot or whatever whatnot. He really set this incredible. He he set the home run record, and he's just he's he's an idol to many to many young baseball players, many African American baseball players. He's just and like he made such a great impact on the game of baseball. Um, and really, he's the star of his era. And um, yeah, anything y'all have to say about Barry Bonds? Yeah, Barry Bonds. I mean, I don't care that he used steroids. He had, like. One of the highest on base percentage because of his intimidation, like was 700 intentional walks. He also won seven MVPs and so many gold gloves. And like he broke the home run record. I mean, he was super influential to the game of baseball and especially power hitting. And he was just such a good all around player. Only player ever to have 400 home runs and 400 stolen bases in his career. And he's just such a big influence on the game. Yeah, I mean, Barry, both these guys, Barry Isbon and uh, Jackie Robinson, they've just had, you know, huge impacts on the sport, and they've kind of just been role models and leaders to people getting into the sport, and it, they've just brought it along really far. Definitely. Those are my favorite players. Um, first that come to mind, um, when you mention African-American uh baseball players uh, they both have made the best impact anybody else have a different list or someone else that they would like to talk about yes i have hank aaron uh he, he received a lot of racism when he beat babe ruth babe ruth's home run record i mean everyone's being really racist to him because just because he was black and like i mean he was he's one of the best baseball players of all time and like, he's just so influential. I mean, over 3,000 hits, 700 and 700 something home runs. Like he, he was amazing. He was influential. Influential. I absolutely, I absolutely agree um, with that. Hank Aaron was the very bomb for the steroids. He was the one who. Uh, Barry Bonds is the one who beat his record, and he's, um, I agree, he's absolutely intellectual to the game of baseball. Um, m moving on, um, I think that's a great list, those top three, Jackie Robinson, Barry Bonds, and um, now it is time to get into the MLB lockout. So, um, uh, recently, a few, a few MLB players have been have tweeted and gone on uh, social media publicly saying that they're very upset with the situation going on. Of course, um, the, the Rob Manfred has officially delayed the season um, for absolutely no reason, just because he's too stubborn to strike a deal with the MLBPA, the MLB Players Association. And um, 
he is just it, it's just it's just kind of chaotic and i think it will be for a little bit um until they get the situation they said there's they're starting to have meetings and they're starting to get things done and it's a and they've came out and publicly said that little little progress has been made uh during these MLB meetings so anything y'all have to say about that any uh spring, anything about spring training anything about the regular season being delayed playoffs whatever anything y'all need to say yeah, it looks like spring training is definitely going to be canceled. I mean, delayed from uh, the MLB season. Uh, and also, like, postseason and just... Uh, it's going to create chaos because of it being delayed. And once it's over, uh, it, yeah, there's just going to be chaos. Um, not really related to the lockout, but Shohei Otani is the MLB The Show 22 athlete cover. He is the first Asian athlete to be on a, any like American sports game. Uh, MLB The Show, NBA 2K, Madden, or the NHL. So, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I agree. That's that's awesome. Shohei Otani really deserves that. Um, really does deserve that uh, title. He had a breakout season last year with um, the MVP MVP award. And um, I think you absolutely deserve that. Um, I think that will do it for our podcast today. Uh, thank you for listening, and um, see you next week. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. the next episode of MLB on the line. I'm joined by co-host Harris Mann, Rafael Arroyo Cruz, and Sean, and Sean Allen. Allen. Um, today we will be talking about the ongoing MLB lockout and various trades in the MLB. Who would like to start us off? Okay, I will start you off, your host, Sean Allen, with my subordinates. Okay, the people are saying that MLB lockout might go in just in training. What are your thoughts on that? I'm sick of the MLB lockout. I'm so tired of big golfers saying, oh, this player can't do this, or this player can't do this because we need more money. I'm sick of it. it it's just, at this point, it's literally losing the money. Because spring training, you can, you can get tickets to the scrimmages, and so therefore, MLB is now losing revenue because of this MLB Yeah, it's just a little bit of revenue. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's extremely dumb for this to go this long. Like, I know the MLB has the money like and the has. people, but for them to not have the development of their players in this spring training is very huge because this could be the, like, because the, this could, like, Spring training is a time for people in like the minor leagues to get brought up to like Harris. The the only level. reason they are boycotting is it's not about the player and salary. Also, it's not the minor also league that salary. I think it's very bad. So therefore, that MLB, um, so so therefore the um they want more. Hold on, it's getting kind of hesitating, and average, I think that it is the average minor league player earns about fifteen thousand dollars per year. So they want more money uh, to bring. That's a lot of money. Well, that way they can. That way the minor leaguers have more interest. 
So if this happens, it could also it, it would lead to more games played in the minor league. Well. with like C.J. Abrams, yeah, and, and catchers and, like that, and there's many. Yeah, but you also you also have to think like about Grace Jordan and other. You have to think about people like Cedric Mullins. Hey, stop Mullins. muting me! Stop muting me, John. And that's why he made it into the major league. Yeah, I think it's very important. I think it's very important for this to happen. Well, actually, yeah, the, the, the main reason of the lock, the union, isn't actually most of the minor it's league. It's very important for this to happen. It's very important for this to happen because the deficit. <laughs> it could be the deficit of between the season is there. Okay, so it's very crucial because I think MLB is only in it for the money. Yeah, I agree with that because MLB is trying to use this. They're trying to gain leverage. Yeah. Less money as well. So therefore, the um, players can have better revenue and they don't have to skip spring training. They're making a big deal about it. So little. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I honestly think that the MLB has a really long history of just abusing players and not treating them like they should. Because, well, but really, like, of these players, like, compared to the owners, they're, they make MLB. Who, who's really, like, does anyone know who actually, does anyone care about who actually Runs the MLB or manages money. No, people care about the players. The we players care about players. And the players work so hard, but, you know, they just don't want to give them the respect they deserve because, you know, they think they're so much better. Exactly. That's, yeah. that's the point we're trying to get. The, the players are trying that. to get across. No, I agree on talking? that. Because I think the M Oh, Harrison, you got muted. I think the MLB wouldn't be here today without the players. It, it, no, it wouldn't exist at all. It's just it wouldn't. Exist. Yeah, it would not be where it is today with like the new like hype coming up. With because like this year there are a lot of promising people entering the draft, like a lot. Like, yeah, I think it's, it's like, not many people, but in the draft because when we do the draft, two years. other players get picked. But well, there's still a lockout. They, don't get, enough, they don't get enough time to train. Let's move on from the draft and. Um, I want to ask you guys, where do you think Cedric Mullins is going to grow? A, a budding star like him has to go somewhere, and I don't think he wants to stay with the team as bad as the Orioles. You guys have any thoughts on that? No. Um, I think that he's going to go to the Mets. The Mets? Why? Because the Mets are recruiting lots of players recently. Like the, Mets, Francisco the, Mets the Mets are broke, though. It doesn't matter. They, they, they're going to still afford Cedric Mullins. Cedric Mullins is not going to be paid that much because since the Orioles be don't like have million, that million, much million, like million. hype recently, and that many players like they weren't, they're not going to like have like like they they don't show the spotlight of the Orioles that much. Like if there's like a small guy, let's say on like the Yankees that does really good, they're going to know who he is. But you have to do really good on a bad team to get noticed. Yeah. Uh, anyone else have thoughts on that? 
Rafael, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I think he's probably going to go to the Mets. It's, it seems like a team that, you know, it, it would better. I think they're yeah. going to the Boston Red Sox. Going to what? The Red Sox. Oh, okay. Because because Boston well, why? has a pretty bad team right now. And they're dog water. So they kind of need more players. But ultimately, probably go to the Mets. Thank you for that, Sean. You're not welcome. Oh. Uh, let's move on. Uh, I think that's it. Does anyone have anything else to add? Harris, do you have anything else to add? Raphael, Sean? I have nothing else to add. No. So. All right, that's it for MLB on the line. Thanks for listening and keep watching base or keep liking baseball. Bye. All right, that's this week's episode. Thank you for listening.